Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. And guess what? You don't have to die at the hands of a shape-shifting clown to join. No, all you have to do is tune in every Friday as us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. Each week, we'll either spend hours reading between the pages of one of his books or chew on his latest tweets and Hollywood headlines. What's more, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Mick Garris, Jerry O'Connell, Mary Lambert, Will Wheaton, and the list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. Welcome to State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hi, I'm Matt. And in this episode, we are going to discuss a lot of interesting leaks from Star Wars, specifically Episode 9, which has just recently started filming. But have no fear for the things that could truly be so spoilerific that you would know what's going to happen in the movie that comes out Christmas 2019. Well, we have all those tucked safely away behind our spoiler-proof blast doors. It'll be very obvious when we're about to do that, when we're about to open those blast doors, and uh, you won't have anything to worry about. You have a bunch of show to enjoy before that happens, if you are worried about spoilers for this movie. So that said, let's dive in. There has been a lot of weird news coming out of Episode Nine. I mean, we think that we have fake news problems in regards to politics, In the post-Last Jedi world, things have gotten stupid. All kinds of outlets are reporting rumor as fact, and these quote-unquote rumors are not even anything close to the usually like somewhat kind of sort of at the very least substantiated rumors that we usually report here on State of the Empire. It's crazy. Like the, the way these articles are being written these days, like there's not even like speculation exists that they're like full statements about who people are playing and what their new characters are. And, you know, as if it's like already established somewhere, it really makes me question if I'm like missing something. They're I actually think that's the case. They're publishing in some cases fan fiction as fact. Yeah. Like they'll be like, OK, so we've heard that this is shooting here, which clearly means that this other thing is happening. And here's how that could happen. And it'll give you a full paragraph stated as though it's a fully realized fact when in fact it's just the imagination of the author explaining how it's possible that these facts could coalesce into some aspect of the plot of the film that they have themselves have imagined this is absurd this is really truly absurd so on state of the empire we are going to definitely put a focus on sorting the fact from the bullshit here and try to figure it out together (laughs) This is going to be a deep cut for some Star Wars fans. And Cap, I don't know if you are even aware of of Super Shadow. No, I don't know what that is. Okay, Super Shadow, he ran a website during the run-up to the prequels that was just always posting the craziest, like, as if he was George Lucas's friend. Like, oh, I was speaking (laughs) to George, and he gave me the actual midi-chlorian count for all the famous Jedi throughout history. Just to give you an idea of where 
you know, Anakin and Master Yoda like stack up against like the other Jedi that have come around and then had like full outlines for like not just the prequels, but episodes seven through nine. And of course, this was early enough that like, <laughs> you know, it looked like a GeoCities page or something. Mm-hmm. And it was just I mean, it really captivated younger Star Wars fans, I think, including myself. I never believed it, but it was always really fun. And it's like, I feel for those who know what I'm talking about, it's like Super Shadow is running all of these like legit news outlets these days. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose legit is with air quotes. Here's two outlets that we can definitely say, like, watch yourselves if you're using these as news sources because they stink of Bantha Poodoo. <laughs> <laughs> Express.co.uk. They are scum and villainy as far as I'm concerned. And Movie Web, not much better. But we're going to be talking about some of the crazy shit that both those websites have said and decide if there's anything of any substance coming out of them. Aside from, you know, hot steaming shit. <laughs> Here's an example of just how dumb things have gotten. Movie Web published an article called Rumored Star Wars 9 Title Might Actually Make Fans Happy. <laughs> <laughs> and this thing is, is a full article based purely on a Reddit thread where fans were throwing out just, like, predictions for fun. Just, hey, it could be this. And so they decided, okay, well, one fan had a title that everybody seemed to like, which was Star Wars A New Order, and here's why that could be the title based on the things that we quote-unquote know about the next movie. (laughs) But, like, that's nothing. They're just horrible people using search engine optimization as, as a weapon. And Star Wars, man... Star Wars doesn't matter. Star Wars isn't important. But, like, why can't Star Wars be where we escape this terrible bullshit? <laughs> MovieWeb also published an article saying that uh, Carrie Russell is playing, quote, Ray's dirtbag mom who got drunk with her lover and left the poor Force-sensitive child on Jakku. <laughs> uh, I, this is a good opportunity, though. I think if, if we could throw out some uh, title ideas and maybe... <laughs> You know, and maybe we can get picked up. Well, as, yeah, like, will be know. the news. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Super Shadow Strikes Back. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So we do have we do have one piece of Episode Nine news that isn't behind the blast doors that we can share. That it's not a spoiler, and it is real. It is actually real. Uh, Dominic Monaghan is in Episode Nine. He was not formally announced anywhere. No one knows what he's gonna be playing, but. He has actually confirmed it. So this is this is a real thing. Dominic Monaghan is going to be in episode nine doing something. It could even be a throwaway role. But I well, one of the, the conjecture on, on my part, I remember he was uh, a brief rumor for episode seven. And it may have just been because of the J.J. Abrams connection to Lost. But uh, with this resurfacing and, of course, going back to when we started to conjecture that the Michael Arndt script was tossed out because it was assuming that it was going to be a story, you know, after Han, Luke and Leia had exited the picture. But then when they were able to get the original cast to come back, they decided to go, you know, sort of like readapt that script into something that took place a little earlier and like kind of set up this new world that they want to take mm. place. Maybe they're kind of going back to that. He could, maybe he's portraying a character they originally wanted him to do back when Michael Arndt was doing episode seven. That would be interesting. A reach for sure, but I mean it's it's high time that if they were if that if that script ever had merit, and I truly believe it had to if he's a great writer, mm-hmm. now is the time to bring some of those ideas into play because 
it's a tall order to make this saga have any kind of satisfying ending quality in just one film. It's so unfocused. Absolutely. I mean, the, the prequels had the luxury of of kind of having a direction where they were going. And, you know, so we can only compare it against where Empire was to what, you know, how Jedi could conclude the saga. And I think, you know, I, I think the original trilogy had less of a tall task. I think, you know, essentially with what we got at the end of Last Jedi is the equivalent of like the end of Revenge of the Sith. You know, like we have Kylo Ren like becoming the supreme you know, leader of, of the galaxy. And like, you know, this is, it's a big setup into, you know, the potential to satisfyingly conclude it. And it's much taller order for this film. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk about what may or may not be happening about episode nine behind the blast doors, but let's, uh, let's move on now to things we can talk about star Wars resistance. We finally got our first official look at the show and most importantly, the show in motion where, I'm sad to say that it is, in fact, as suspected, cel-shaded 3D and not 2D animation. And if I'm being perfectly honest, it has potential, but it's not there yet. Yeah, once again, unfortunately, the, the, the nature of, of 3D shows is that the environments end up usually suffering from just like a lack of you know, being developed because mm -hmm. there's a lot going on with 3D and I feel like the same thing's happening with what we've seen of Resistance so far. That could be a snap judgment before actually seeing it, in a, you know, totally, but I mean, I just got that feeling. Again. For me, it's about the facial animations and they are just not, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the difference between a trailer and the actual show or the first episode and the rest of the series, but the the dialogue and their mouths and expressions are just very, very stiff and weird the way they play out. Um, and I, I mean, the team behind it is impeccable. I don't, mm -hmm. I won't ever doubt their quality, um, or their capacity for quality anyway. But where we are right now, based on this first look, if I'm throwing out snap evaluations, it's a little rough. And I think, yeah, I, I hope they're able to to tighten it a bit more. But hey. Check out the links on this episode's page. Have a look. See what you think for yourself. We do have a little bit of information to go with it. Last time we reported on some um, some hearsay, which turned out to be completely true. And uh, now, thanks to an episode of the Star Wars show, we have further details. It takes place on the Colossus, which is an aircraft refueling platform on an outer rim water planet, which is what Matt was sort of talking about. We have our, our central location for the show is a featureless blue plane. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't get more cost cutting than that yeah it's surprising I, I i will say you know just to kind of reverse on the bashing from personal experience i've had so far is i've collected a lot of opinions about this teaser i've talked to a lot of people who, who have seen it and i've shown it to a lot of people too and the thing that i've come across is that star wars fans seem to not be too enthused with the way the show's looking but for some reason every kind of casual fan or or someone who's not really in Star Wars at all that I've shown to has really thought the look was cool like that's been a unanimous thing that I've come across which I don't know how to explain that divide but I've definitely noticed it I at mean, least from my end I am all for cell shaded 3D I think it's okay my, my only disappointment comes from that I know that if they were doing 2D they would be able to get more out of their dollar and create a richer fuller Star Wars world Absolutely. And then that, that's a really important thing about Star Wars is to feel like we're being taken somewhere that can exist. 
and a featureless blue plane is not it's not the Star Wars I'm looking for, I guess. Yeah. At least not for the basis of a of a show. Aesthetically, right. But if you're looking for characters, well, it it hopefully will oblige. Uh, the main character Kaz is undercover as a mechanic and lives with Poe's old pal Jaeger, uh, who, if you're looking at the trailer, is the dude with the beard and the dreads. And his crew is Tam, the dark-skinned girl, uh, Miku, the blue-skinned, black-eyed, fish-looking dude, and a droid called Bucket, who's um I actually didn't realize he was this, but he was described in Star Wars show as a quote battered astromech, which is a weird. Hmm. <laughs> it sounds like it's something that's been done to him. Rather than, I don't know if I should read into that. <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, it, that is a, a interesting choice of words. Uh, Kaz competes in dangerous sky races while maintaining his cover. And the show debuts with an hour premiere special called The Recruit, Sunday, October 7th at 10 p.m. on Disney XD. And probably some streaming platforms as well. We'll see. Yeah, all that being said, I am very excited still. Because, I mean, it's just, you know... It, this is this is a really good opportunity to start fleshing out that sequel world that we feel is, you know, so much more lightly represented than the other eras because they're afraid to fill in the gaps with information that's going to be overwritten true. by the future films. True, true. But, if you're just tuning in, that is Resistance takes place prior to Episode 7. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd, are they going to answer any big mysteries about uh, the new trilogy? Honestly... They just might. And here's why they just might. Because it's about to wrap up. What do they have to lose? Right. And uh, and, and also, you know, the same things happening. You know, Star Wars land technically takes place in that era, too. So, you know, they're going to have they're going to have to start making decisions on what is going on <laughs> during these times. Yeah. You know, so though I'd argue we'll get- I'd argue that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge takes place um, after episode nine. Yeah, and we can get into some things behind the blast doors about that because Star Wars Land is opening up just before Episode Nine comes out. Yeah, but so yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think it'll be obvious, but I think that it'll develop in a way that, um, well, if if I had to put money on anything, I'd say that it's in Disney's interest to create a world of perpetual Star Wars, um. And not necessarily. I mean, it. I would. It would be great if heroes could be heroes, and there could be some kind of resolution to this saga, and not ending it on like you know. But the Star Wars will continue, <laughs> at least for now. But I think there's a good chance that they might actually like leave it in a in a point of like of turmoil, yet hope for the future or something. And even though. Even though I mean they'll it'll for sure be buttoned up in a way that could be considered appealing, but it's definitely in their interest to make this long lasting status quo space that they've carved out in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the theme park, uh, to, to make it more relevant than a reflection of the world loosely defined in the two films that we've seen. Yeah, that's it's a it's a good point and something that I've thought about. Like that could be the conclusion to our trilogy is of, of this trilogy is the perpetual, you know, perpetual war. I think the worst thing that Disney could have had going into this trilogy is the fact that Return of the Jedi is somewhat of a finite ending. And, you know, they don't want that. They want the Empire in charge and your, you know, your your heroic rebel alliance struggling against the like overwhelming odds. And the best thing that could happen to Disney 
is that is not to have a, a hero a heroic total victory by the end but just have the status quo forever because then they can make movies forever right and who's calling the shots is it the boardroom or is it the creators and we don't know and we'll probably never be able to know out in the public as we are you know i don't want to be overly cynical about it i'm just trying to be logical about it and personally that's where i think it's headed yeah and and also it might be cynicism for the for the state of the galaxy but also there is the possibility that that can be done very well yes you know like so you know it it I could potentially be up for it. Like, it would be sad to think that the heroes, all the heroes, like, efforts throughout the original trilogy and sequel trilogy were, you know, potentially for nothing. But, I mean, maybe it's not. Maybe, you know, the Jedi Order comes back and now we'll have the Jedi Order, you know, the the new Jedi Order struggling against the First Order for potentially infinity. And that would be cool. Yeah, but... that, and that's that's totally fine. Okay, so, like, the you know, the Clone Wars, debatable how good that show is depending on which which story arc you're you're watching right right right. yes but if you had the clone wars forever because you could and and say say it was halfway decent not bad especially not bad for the circumstances that would make disney the most money and Mm -hmm. you gotta assume that's just where it's at right now it is it is striking a balance between um genuine creative drive and also the needs of a company that invested an astronomical amount of money in it. And that's really all mm-hmm. there is to it. And and we want to emphasize, because there is a lot of negativity and cynicism out there about about all this. We are logical people who, who just look at the information that's been presented to us and can see ways that it can be good or bad. We're just here to find out what happens because uh, one way or another, Star Wars touched and affected our lives for the better. And uh, it's interesting to see what happens next. So that said, what's happening next? Glad you asked. The live-action television show headed up by Jon Favreau. We've got some details about it. We've got some facts and some rumors. Here are the facts. The New York Times reported that the series is expected to cost roughly $100 million for 10 episodes of the first season of this series, which is going to be on Disney's streaming platform exclusively. Favreau said in an email to the Times, Star Wars is a big world and Disney's new streaming service affords a wonderful opportunity to tell stories that stretch out over multiple chapters. Which is, quite frankly, exactly what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. Now, this particular story, stretching out over multiple chapters, is at least for the first season, set in uh, uh, about three years after Return of the Jedi, and according to rumors, repeated rumors, that a number of sites and sources and so on have mentioned, enough that there's got to be some kind of merit to it, this series could be about Mandalore. When the Empire Falls... Mandalore falls into a state of turmoil, and the show is about, restore, quote, restoring Mandalore to its former self, and the outcome has, quote, huge galactic ramifications. So there's a lot of questions we can glean from these vague statements, like what does restoring Mandalore mean? The history of Mandalore, as depicted quite a bit in Clone Wars, is uh, very complicated. John Favreau himself uh, is very much attached to it. He did the voice for Pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars. And the Siege of Mandalore is the focus of the new arc of Clone Wars that's been announced to the 12 episodes coming to this same streaming platform. So that storyline that was left unfinished is concluding and could in fact fold directly into this series. 
Well, that's that that's that type of connective tissue that gives me all the the goosebumps. <laughs> That'd be great. I mean, Mandalore has a very not just complicated in-universe history, but also a complicated uh, real world history and that like its history was being rewritten constantly based on uh, everyone assuming that George was done with the franchise so they could make some, you know, big leaps in depicting it. And then when Clone Wars came about, Clone Wars basically reset everything that had been established during the, the prequel era expanded universe. And I think people were upset at first and then everything ended up really good on Clone Wars with Mandalore, at least in my opinion. And I think quite a few other people, I, I, I feel like the Mandalore storylines are some of the most well-regarded on Clone Wars. So, you know, it's a, uh, it's a good place, I think to, to get the fans back on board and put everybody onto the streaming service in time for the TV show for the live action show. And I, and it would be a great idea to continue along those lines. Some other aspects to this and the possibility of it that raise a bunch of questions for me is about audience. So if we've got a live-action Star Wars show, I'm assuming that it's PG-13-ish like most of the modern films have been. Um, but we're dealing, you know, we're dealing with a Star War. Meanwhile, we have Clone Wars re-debuting re to this platform fully acknowledging that the original audience for that series is now adults. Mm -hmm. So what, who do you think the audience is for these series? Where are they going to gear them? Is this going to be an aged up Clone Wars or is it going to be the same as it ever was? It's going to be fascinating to, to tune into those Clone Wars episodes and figure that out. That's I'm really looking forward to that because it, it will tell you a lot about where they trust the star wars franchise like obviously they've been gearing them for you know even george lucas with the prequels gearing them towards younger audiences and younger and younger and the core audience that grew up with them are continually getting older and older and uh it'll be interesting to see if uh you know star wars is for everyone at any time that they can make you know mature more mature things at various times and see those things succeed Meanwhile, though, Disney owns Hulu now, thanks to the Fox sale going through, and they're also developing this standalone Disney-centric um, streaming service where they're going to be housing this original Star Wars content. And there is every indication that they're content for their more mature content to continue living on Hulu and keeping this separate. So does that exclude Star Wars from that, what they're calling more mature content, and where is the cutoff for that in terms mm -hmm. of that we don't and we don't really know that's very much tbd one other aspect to the favreau project is um rumors have been put forth that they are using the ilm x lab technology for filming this thing and that is a piece of hardware software technology well cool filmmaking technology that was showcased a number of years ago um where they have they build virtual 3D assets and are able to do live motion capture performances, seeing in camera what it looks like, enabling them to work with special effects in a dynamic way. There's been many similar things to this implemented for other films like Avatar and so on, but nothing to this degree. And to our knowledge, ILM X Lab has actually even though it's been around for a little while, not actually been used in the filming of scenes from Star Wars. It's been used purely for pre-visualization purposes, like plotting out how they're going to orchestrate the complexities of space battle 
It's been a very interesting virtual tool for that, but not necessarily. I don't. From what I know, it has not been used in you know in if you're doing K2SO in Rogue One, they're not filming and seeing behind the camera what it looks like when Alan Tudyk is a robot instead of a man. Right. And what's crazy is the application of this could potentially just be like industry, like, you know, a revolution, really. And it's crazy that it's coming to potentially coming to TV first, potentially some real groundbreaking stuff in the TV show. I mean, we already see HBO with Game of Thrones and a lot of their other non-epic things, too. But, you know, particularly like if anyone goes back and watches like the visual effects stuff that they do for like Boardwalk Empire and you don't even realize it. But you know, it, this is Star Wars and this is Disney and the money that they're throwing at it, you know, they could be doing the same thing here. Like it may not just simply be a live action Star Wars show. It could be something that really pushes the limits of TV the way the original movies did for movie making. Right. And you look at what Favreau's done with Jungle Book and what he's going to be doing with Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that maybe television or this format is where they're in theory, are fewer eyes watching them. So they can test out this technology. People will be forgiving because it's quote-unquote television, and they can have more experimentation like what they did with the revived Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, but do it in this television show where it is going to be received better and it's going to be granted a degree of exception that most folks weren't willing to extend to those things when they see it in the feature films. But that's just speculation. These are all rumors. It might not even be about Mandalore. We don't know. Moving on to Solo. We mentioned in our last episode that there's a expanded novelization of Solo coming out by Muir Lafferty, that it's going to contain Kira's backstory, Han's time in the Imperial Navy, and the beginnings of the Rebellion. Now, we didn't necessarily know uh, how exciting that would be per se but there are now several excerpts that have been published to starwars.com which we will link to which are pretty dang juicy i don't know if they've given away all their best stuff but you see moments such as what exactly was l3 experiencing when she was being uploaded into the falcon and what that process was like like you know you really get a sense for what the character has gone through and who the character becomes from that experience. And you can get that just by looking at this preview, which is pretty extreme. And then also, well, um, you see what happens with the coaxium that they hand off at the end of the film, and it involves Sagarera and his young ward. <laughs> and that is all I will say on the matter. You can see for yourself um, in these excerpts posted online, or pre-order the book through our Amazon links that uh, goes into helping to fund more episodes of state of the empire. It can't hurt. Um, there's also another piece of solo expanded universe content that came out recently. It is a Beckett one shot, a comic by, uh, by Marvel. And I regret to inform that while it is not outright bad, it is also completely and utterly inessential. It is the worst thing a star Wars comic can be rather boring. That's too bad to hear. Yeah, it's. Uh, I it's, think. Uh, I think we we could use some good Beckett expanded material. I think uh, it was interesting portrayal from Woody Harrelson, and I really like the character. And 
because of how the film did and the comic not being great, maybe we don't really hear from Beckett anymore, which would be unfortunate. Yeah, what's surprising to me is that this is, well, here's the thing, the thing about this this comic. It is just one story of a, wi- a little winding, twisting tale, though not too much, about Beckett, Val, and Rio pulling off some scams and getting into mm-hmm. trouble and risking their lives and so on and so forth. It doesn't tell you anything about the characters other than this is an adventure they had one time that informs more about who they are or their backstories or anything. And there's no reason that these characters, all of whom are now dead, <laughs> spoiler alert, <laughs> um, should be protected like that. There's no reason that this book that came out so far after the movie should be anything less than an exceptional dive into these characters. But it is much less than that. It is it is exactly as much information as the movie afforded us, but with a different story affording that same information. I, I, I can't comprehend why anyone would do such a thing. Yeah, it's unfortunate, especially seeing, I mean, obviously the one shot is potentially, you know, a limiting format. You know, it's not a series, but oh, you've seen like a <laughs> t- comic. Yeah, you tell that to the 3PO comic, the, the comic right. that should never, ever have been good and is still the best single Star Wars issue of this Marvel era. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as the, the DJ comic was an interesting look at that character that didn't necessarily say anything direct, like nothing too grand on the character, but yet really helped establish his place in that Canto Bite world. And... You know, so it's possible to do something really good in a one shot. And it's unfortunate that, you know, a movie that didn't do well is their expand the expanded material is not, you know, doing well either. And and that's do- not solo not doing well financially, because I still think it's it might be the best movie of the of the Disney era. I agree with that. And I know a lot of people who also agree with that. People who actually bothered to see it in theaters, whereas most people didn't which is hey fine but check it out now folks yeah i'm still in shock how many people i see every day on on a reddit or a facebook or something like that someone says something good about solo and then the reply was like oh really it was good maybe i'll check it out like how have you not seen it yet (laughs) it's a star wars film and this is a star wars (laughs) reddit post or a star wars (laughs) facebook comment like i don't i don't know yeah i mean hey don't be a corporate slave. Live your life. Do what you want to do. Sure. But but also, if we're in the business of being fans of Star Wars, how have you not seen this movie? I'm not I'm not trying to shame you. Just please please go out and see it. I think it's really worthwhile and so does Matt. We all think it's worthwhile here on State of the Empire and we had all the reservations. Right. And and I'm not saying you know if if it was a very particular, you know, if 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 you saw the previews and you weren't engaged by the marketing trying to convince you to come to the theater, that's totally totally fine. But if it was for some unhappy with how the franchise is going, you know, because maybe because of Last Jedi, maybe because of of Force Awakens and Last Jedi or what, even Rogue One, who knows? I just want to say I can assure you this was a good direction for the franchise. And I would encourage you to rent it on on, uh, you know, digital services or Blu-ray or whatever when when it comes out, because it is it's a fun, great movie. Now, circling around to comics and the quality of good single issues the Darth Vader annual came out recently. It's, it's the second annual that the book has had, and it was phenomenal. It's about Vader having found out 
secrets in regards to um, the Death Star. He doesn't necessarily know what it is. He just knows that everyone's trying to keep it a secret from him. And that potentially his place in the pecking order of the, you know, the new empire is being jeopardized by these tiny men and their machinations and their machines. And it is about Vader kind of getting in the know about that and getting injected into a bunch of Rogue One orbital plots. Darth, You'll see Darth Vader inside Galen Erso's Coruscant apartment. You'll see Darth Vader on uh, Geonosis. And uh, you will see things dealing with... Um, well, we've had a lot of variables about what did or didn't happen with the Geonosian extinction, and you will definitely see a component of it. What the real story is going to be in the end, we don't know, but it's a great little one-shot and a piece of exciting, uh, essential reading for the Rogue One expanded universe, which we've had a lot of, actually. Yeah, and, and a lot of it very good. Yeah. Go to a comic store, and at the very least, if you're not reading Darth Vader already, and I think it's fantastic... Check out Annual Number 2 if you want some more Rogue One-esque content. You'll be pleased. We still don't know anything about the Obi-Wan or Boba Fett films. They could be totally dead. We don't know. What we do know is that on August 14th, an interview was posted um, with uh, Ewan McGregor. He was speaking on The View, and he said, in regards to Obi-Wan, I would totally do it, of course. There's no plans as such to do it as far as I know. I, I, I tend to believe him this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. Only only because I, I really do think all, all the resources ha are now in the Galaxy's Edge in Episode Nine basket, and I don't know if we'll hear about any plans prior to those completing production, so to speak. You know, the parks opening and then also, like, wrapping on Episode Nine and knowing what they have. You know, so I could see a situation in which they announce new movies before episode nine comes out, but I don't think it'll happen until episode nine is wrapped. Um, and also they have other announced movies that they could announce, announce. They could tell us details about the Ryan Johnson trilogy or whatever the heck Benioff and Weiss are working on. If those still exist. <laughs> if they still exist and they might not. Things are crazy. I mean, yeah. if anything, us doing a podcast about this increasingly corporate pop culture universe that we love, you know, uh, we we it's it's still the Wild West. We have no idea what's ever going to happen. And the drama of it is fascinating from a how does it get made standpoint. And we have to constantly look for clues and make all kinds of informed speculation to even get a glimpse into what the heck is actually going on. <laughs> I want to take this moment to thank you all for listening. We hope you like the show. If you do, please do consider rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. Both are pretty dang essential to more people discovering the show. You know, we're just one Star Wars podcast in a massive galaxy of Star Wars podcasts, and maybe you like what we do better. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. 
So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The most, or you really love the edge that our expanded Lucasfilm content gives us. Like next episode we get together, we're probably going to hear more about the unmade Indiana Jones scripts. Next in line in our chronology of going through all of the unmade indie adventures is uh, talking about Frank Darabont's script for what would have been, what would have become kingdom of the crystal skull when we have doug return with us and of course there's our ongoing willow watch coverage and we'll talk more about that in in but a moment but please do consider hopping on apple podcasts giving us a five-star rating leaving a review or heading over to Podchaser, which is even easier to use and doing the same thing or a variation of it also like i mentioned if you want to help support us then please shop via our amazon links on this episode's posting or you can head over to nerdyshow.com slash Amazon and follow the links there. Bookmark those links. Use those links. Nerdy Show is the studio that we are published by, distributed by Consequence of Sound, and our humble little uh, nerd outlet here would be very appreciative, and that does trickle down to State of the Empire. Matt, are you ready for Willow Watch? I'm, I'm so ready. Willow. Our last episode of State of the Empire was a Willow Watch special. A total diverting off into a corner that we didn't even know we could. We examined a Willow script that was used, the, the, specifically the script that was used to help get funding for the film. And it contained a bunch of alternate forking paths, all kinds of crazy stuff that didn't end up making it into the final film. Things that we'd seen glimpses of in our past investigations of the movie that now we've seen crystal clear or at least as crystal clear as a 10th generation xerox could offer us if you have any love in your heart for this film you should definitely check out our prior willow watch episode please do now what's interesting about this is the script acquiring it was a revelation to us all of the weird merch that we found the joan d vinge uh young adult novelization was a revelation we we gleaned so much insight from this but then I did uh, a couple random searches, and I found out that if we just looked beyond the surface, if we just forgotten all we know or thought we knew, we could have actually had every willow thing that we've ever, quote-unquote, discovered ourselves placed out before us on a silver platter. Because, folks, I went journeying into the willow deep web this past week. I discovered willow fan sites from the 90s, with a wealth of information. Matt, I don't know, did you have a chance to check out any of these links I was sending frantically to everybody as I was discovering all this? Very, very briefly. These websites are like the Willow Internet Database, which we'll link to. They are 
relics. They are beautiful, gorgeous relics of an internet age gone by by fans with guest books and speculation and oh my gosh it's beautiful here's the intro statement from the willow internet database my name is laszlo leiskakowski and this is your last reality check before entering the fantasy land created by george lucas back in 1988 the movie was a financial failure as i'm sure you know i cannot understand why it is one of my favorite movies but Life is not logical since my other favorite movie, Dune, also did badly at the box office. Willow received terrible reviews when it came out, but one should never trust someone else's opinions, so I never listen to the critics. They are no better at asserting a movie than I am, so why should I listen? Hopefully, you are a daikini who likes Willow. If not, then leave this site! One day, I wanted to go and see if there was anything about Willow on the internet. To my surprise, I only found two Willow sites, and neither of them were complete. There were also some reviews, but they did not provide much info. A hundred million pages on the web and only two devoted to Willow. What a shame! So one weekend I thought I would make a third Willow page, just in case someone on the net, someone on the net liked it as much as I do. Now, here you are on the third dedicated Willow site ever. It's beautiful. It's a wonderfully strange and perfect journey, an actual time capsule, and it led us to a bunch of other places, including a website um, equally old called A Film Extras Perspective, where you can see all these behind-the-scenes photos of someone who played a Nakmar soldier, or maybe it was a Galadorn soldier, or both, um, in Wales dur during, those, during those shoots. All kinds of photos we've never seen before. And then there was the real Motherlode, a website called the Big Big Willow Shadow Moon homepage. And of course, Shadow Moon is the, um, uh, the the book series or the first book in the series of novels, Willow-based novels, written by Chris Claremont and George Lucas. And this website, uh, it, it the from the last update, the uh, the final book in that trilogy wasn't even released yet. It was attempting to compile a full database of all the different towns, species, cultures, etc. that were coming out of not just the film, but that expanded content. And here's the craziest thing. This little website had such a complete archive of Willow data pooled by the entire Willow fandom as it was in the late 90s. They had the only reference we've seen on a Willow fan site to the Joan D. Vinge young adult novel. And most remarkably, they had the exact same script. Not necessarily the one housed in the UCF library, but the exact same draft of the script that we just discovered was always waiting for us to find on this website that we only just found i don't i, I don't know matt i don't know yeah how, how, how strange this missing draft appears twice right up against each other yeah I, I, it's like it's like we hit a point in our journey where it's like you've you've done it you've gone as far as you can and now all the answers are spread out before you and on top of that any other details that you hadn't known about here they are as well for example through this website i discovered uh, a cd called the story of willow which is an audio version of the film with bonus interview audio tracks with george lucas ron howard Warwick davis and dennis murin the special effects supervisor there's a willow illustrated storybook that apparently has quite good illustrations that's on its way in the mail so i can check it out because all i have is this little like 150 by 150 picture from this old website i've never seen the thing you know, there's still more to discover, except that now 
we actually I think we I think we did it. I think we hit the point where there is not really much else to discover. We have a Willow coloring and activity book that they didn't know existed. <laughs> like <laughs> that's our edge, Matt. Otherwise, it had all been found before. Wow. It's bizarre. According to the Willow Internet database, this uh, this site, the Big Big Willow Shadow Moon homepage was founded by a guy named Joe Freeze. Allegedly, according to the database, it merged with the official Lucas Willow page sometime in 1999 and now has a wealth of information. I can't find any indication that that's a thing that happened, but I guess it must have. But how? Why? I mean, is it possible that in 1999, whoever was operating the Lucasfilm website actually absorbed this Willow fan page that was so comprehensive? I didn't even realize that they were hosting an official Willow page. Right. I don't know. And so the only thing left to do is to find Joe Freeze. Will I succeed in doing that? I have no idea. <laughs> it's time to cold call a bunch of people with that name and be like, so did you happen to run a Willow fan site in the 1990s? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it takes. That's, that's the dedication you can find here on Willow Watch. So with that... Thus ends Willow Watch. Again, all those websites will be linked to on this episode's page. It's unbelievable. It's so strange. It's so, so very, very strange. In fact, Matt, I don't know if you saw, but on the Willow Internet Movie Database, the guy is very critical of the critics' opinions of Willow, and rightly so. But he actually has a Roger Ebert review where paragraph by paragraph, you read on on the left-hand side of the screen the Ebert review, and on the right-hand side of the screen, you watch this fan be like, no, this is wrong. Here's why this is wrong. It's beautiful. It is so good. And I, and I remember uh, Ebert's super positive review of Phantom Menace, which obviously people can love Phantom Menace, but if I had a choice between what's actually a better movie, I'm, I think I'm going to go with Willow. I actually do think it's a much better made film. You can also tell that he half-watched the movie because he mentions that Laura Dannon's mom puts her in the river and not <laughs> not the nursemaid. Anyhow, before we open the blast doors, I've got a couple things. One is we found a very unusual piece of Lucasfilm history on Prop Store of London. We'll link to where you can find it on this episode's page. It is a blueprint for a large pavilion dedicated to Lucasfilm at the 1988 Marin County Fair. This would, of course, be the fair that's local to where Lucasfilm is based out of, Skywalker Ranch and all that. And this blueprint features a layout for exhibits and displays about Star Wars, Willow, Indiana Jones, and Tucker, A Man in His Dream. It sounds amazing just looking at these, like, you know, outline sketches of what was there, but I can find no pictures of it, no proof that it ever existed, and maybe it didn't. Maybe these are plans that weren't approved or never came to fruition. Hmm. It's worth a look, and if folks, if you have any information about it, please let us know. The only thing I could think to do is to somehow dig up all of the earliest 1988 issues of the Lucasfilm fan club, because certainly they would mention it if it happened. Otherwise, I don't know. Leland Shee, if you're out there and for some reason you have this information, drop us a line at LucasfilmPod on Twitter. Uh, in fact, let's go ahead and just share our socials right now. I'm at Cat Blackard on Twitter. I am at Matthew Spill. And you can also find us on Facebook, State of the Empire. And if you're hungry to discuss the spoilers that we're about to discuss when we open the blast doors, then do find our Facebook group, Star Wars Spoilers. We will be uh, delving into, well, everything there is to delve into on our journey towards Episode Nine. And then once the film does come out, 
considered a safe space to discuss what you've seen in, without the people who haven't seen it yet getting upset at you. I've got one final strange item. Matt, last night I had a Star Wars dream. <gasps> Ooh. I'm already a big fan of your dream recollections, <laughs> and this is just even better. Yeah, and folks, if you haven't listened to um, one of the other shows we do, Nerdy Show, the titular podcast of the Nerdy Show Network, every now and then I share a strange dream that I've had because I have what apparently what people tell me are unusually vivid and detailed dreams. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, last night, that lens was turned to Star Wars. This is a movie that we saw together, Matt. We, okay. we, we saw it together. We, I both had the experience of, of watching the film, having a, the visceral dreamlike experience of like, you know, where's my perception at? Is it with the characters? Is it wherever my consciousness is anchored as I am able to turn a critical eye to the things I'm watching? Because this is Star Wars. At some point, my mind acknowledges, you know, I'm not in this story with these characters. I'm certainly viewing the story. Here's what happened. Mm-hmm. This is a film that takes place after A New Hope, just, only just, and it stars Alden Ehrenreich as Han Solo. Luke Skywalker's been recast by somebody, I don't know. And it's about Han, Luke, and a cool alien rebel sneaking into an Imperial facility where there's a showing of some kind of these, like, artifacts. That's uh, like, you know, Imperials and higher-ups and Coruscant elite and so on. They want to go to this exhibition. And some kind of item there, the rebels need to get a reading off of it, has some kind of data in it, and no one knows mm-hmm. it. And they need to somehow get whatever it is. It might even be tied to Jedi secrets, like stuff that later becomes relevant to Luke's quest, getting all the relics together and so on. There was implications, but I didn't get this information in the dream. So the Imperials at this early point, they don't know to be looking for Han Solo or Luke Skywalker, and definitely not this alien we've never seen before. Mm -hmm. So they don't have to be overly disguised. They're in there as themselves. But Vader's there, which no one anticipated. They manage to get the scan, but something gets screwed up with their ride, so they have to hide out in a lift, an elevator, and they've disabled it, so they're, like, regrouping. There's windows in the elevator that are small and sort of obscured by a bunch of, like, overlapping slats, and they can look out to see what's happening, and they see Vader communicating with two bounty hunters, one who's a tall female bird-slash-reptile kind of creature with uh, yellow skin or maybe small feathers or scales, I'm not sure, and the other is a young humanoid. The bounty hunters, they decide, might be their best ticket out of the facility. So they open up the elevator when the bounty hunters are are nearing by and ambush them inside of it. The female bounty hunter gets killed, but the young male is revealed to the audience as being none other than Boba Fett. So he's wearing a completely different costume, but he's got the same color palette. He's got the Bantha skull design. But he's got this sort of more like wool military uniform kind of outfit. And he, and he has, strangely enough, very well-fitted bell-bottoms. Those are his pants. Uh, no helmet and uh, shoulder-length hair. We both noted, to some annoyance, that he was not played by Daniel Logan. So the scuffle with Boba is very intense because they didn't make this guy to be much of a threat. They don't know who he is. He's kind of pretty. The alien rebel dies in the scuffle. And Han, somehow, I'm not sure how, fucks up Boba's face. They get rid of him, operate the elevator, and go to a lower floor where there's a hangar bay, and the bounty hunter's ship is waiting. Whatever device they needed to like access the ship, they've got it. And they don't view Boba as a problem. It's going to come back to haunt them. The lift has arrived at this hangar bay. They're looking out through the slats, and they see another surprise for us, the, the, the movie-going audience, live-action Harrison Dula and another rebel being escorted in on speeder bikes as prisoners. Now, Luke knows who Hera is and the other rebel 
because he's a he's a rebellion teamster. Of course he knows who they are. But Han doesn't give a fuck. Mm-mm. But he sees Hera and he's immediately smitten. I mean, who wouldn't be? <laughs> I agree. I agree. But so Luke and Han pull off some kind of big maneuver in the hangar bay that allows them to escape with Hera and this other rebel and a reinforcement craft flies in and is able to disable the vast majority of the TIE fighters before they take off. And during this little adventure, Han and Hera have some moments together to suggest the makings of some kind of romance, implying that there would be even more of like, not a, like a love quadrangle happening in the rebellion as far as Han's affections are concerned. You know, like that Leia needs to divert Han's attention away from Hera and Luke is there in the middle being like, but I like Leia. Does Han like Leia? <laughs> <laughs> and I was fascinated by this dream upon waking up and thinking like, wow, you know, Hera's, she's got a kid, but well, one, in the times we've seen her post A New Hope, we don't know where the heck that kid is. She's not taking care of she and Kanan's child. Mm-hmm. And two, she could have room for romance in her life. And, and maybe just maybe a charming smuggler named Han Solo could somehow give her that spark that Kanan charmed out of her. I'm not one to write fan fiction, but clearly I did subconsciously, and I'm really glad I can share it with everybody. I never would have thought to combine these character stories at at this point. It's my headcanon now. (laughs) It puts that Forces of Destiny short where uh, Han had to admit that the ghost was a better ship in better context. Dude, I didn't even think about that. Because they've had a little bit of a past. Yeah, yeah, a, a little bit of a of a sexy heated past and some some near-death escapes, just the kind of thing that makes passions rile up when you're in the rebellion. Mm-hmm. So anyway, with that, for those of you leaving before the spoilers, um, well, we're about to open the blast doors, and when we do, we're going to talk about episode nine. It won't be too much, won't be too long, but we'll have some fun, and if, hey, you know, it's still a ways out, and all of these rumors could, you know, they could they could amount to absolutely nothing. So feel free to join us if you care to, But otherwise, we'll see you later, and right now, let's open the blast doors. Open the blast doors! Open the blast doors! There have been a surprising amount of actual leaks from Episode 9 in regards to some photos, which give us enough stuff that we can chew on and get some sort of a a sense of, of what's up. But there's also a lot of information out there that is highly suspect that I haven't seen anything resembling reasonable sources cited or, you know, like, if making Star Wars hasn't picked up on it, then I'm very suspicious whether it's it's news or not. Yeah, the, the saga movies are really where making Star Wars has their best connections. So, yeah, I, everything that isn't on that site is a little bit dubious at this point. So let's discuss the most dubious of rumors. These are based around, in large part, uh, alleged notations of where they've been shooting. I What I assume is a fair degree of speculation on the part of express.co.uk who are a heckle-raising typo-ridden rag (laughs) (laughs) for starters apparently there's some filming in jordan and jordan is where the jetta city scenes were shot for rogue one so that's led to a bunch of oh my gosh even though that city was destroyed clearly they must be filming something on that planet but that's some bullshit, folks, because we've seen that planet post-Rogue One in the Star Wars comics. You can't come back from what happened there. It's like a bite has been taken out of a big one. Like, there's the atmosphere is destroyed. It's hell. It, I don't I don't think there's, I, I don't, I mean, you know, maybe they're going to disregard comic books, but I don't think there's any chance we're actually seeing Jeddah. Are we seeing 
maybe other parts of Jakku. Sure, that's possible, I suppose. Yeah, I would say Jordan has a lot of advantages to filming there in that it, it's it has a lot of unique it, it's particular deserts have a lot of unique things that can be made to be alien deserts. So I, I wouldn't jump to the Jeddah City connection immediately either. I, I just think Jordan is a good place to go if they just want further alien desert. That's sound, Matt. Thank you for being rational. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not someone trying to make uh, news out of, could they possibly be returning to a location from a prior film? Who, who are you even baiting in with these articles? Oh, me? Just me? Okay, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> in before, it's just Tatooine. Uh, a location scouting report claims that abrams and his team and his team have been out uh, looking at locations in italy um namely they're targeting mount etna which is an active stratovolcano on the east coast of sicily uh, where backdrops for the battle of mustafar were shot so this has led to reports that we're going to see vader's castle in episode nine and speculation that kylo ren will be traveling to vader's castle which and honestly, that's that's a pretty fair bit of speculation. That it is. I, I'm curious. Backdrops for. I'm confused for the Battle of Mustafar. Yes, that's what I read. I don't know if that's true per se. Why? Well, I'm just curious. I, I I assume that just means the the fight on Mustafar in yeah. Episode Three. Yeah. Like not a battle. Yes. Yeah. I guess so. I, yeah. Because I, I, I guess originally when I you know I had kind of breezed through that as well um and had assumed backdrops for uh the very brief appearance in rogue one which actually wouldn't make much sense because you know they could just cg the hell out of that before like there's no reason to go to a volcano Mm. but um yeah that's that's interesting um yeah maybe we are going to vader's castle that would be some nice synergy but that's just one take on it because alternately that same rumor has been interpreted as, oh, they're shooting in Italy? They're going to resurrect Naboo. We're going to go back to Naboo, everybody. It's going to be like <laughs> like poetry. It'll be in the f- the first film, and also what's going to be definitively the last film of Star Wars, wink. Um, <laughs> or it could be something completely new, everybody. It could be something completely new. Italy's a, a very diverse and interesting com- uh, country. Mm-hmm. Who who the fuck knows? I don't. If but if hey, if they're targeting a volcanic mountain, then yeah, we can make some assumptions that perhaps we're going to see something we've seen before. And and I think a lot of this, uh, I don't know necessarily, you know, where Express and and uh, news outlets like it are are kind of if the, if they're getting this from the same thing that everyone else is, but a lot of this conjecture is based on some buzz phrases about wanting episode nine to tie all three trilogies together. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are just automatically jumping that that means we have to go back to these places to wrap them up. That it could just mean thematically, like it could be, you know, uh, the spirit of Luke Skywalker reestablishing a Jedi order or, or Ray reestablishing a Jedi order or, you know, just some sort of th- something to kind of like bookend what was established with episode one and you know two and three obviously it doesn't necessarily mean we have to go back to these places maybe it does maybe that's all they know how to do as far as like actually tying trilogies together but you know it could just mean thematically yeah it's really really hard to say um there is a report that 
there's a shoot scheduled for the first week of October on one of the Cardington Sheds uh, sites. That's a large um, former RAF like hangar that's used for a lot of a lot of shoots. Most famously, like uh, the Yavin Four sequences were shot there, um, and these shoots have a lot of prep going towards them adam driver will be involved with a group of actors aged 21 to 27 that have been training with spears and axes um for the past month and tons of stunts have been coordinated and there'll be some small explosions in front of a large green screen and um the actors will be interacting with some extras that have martial arts experience and i have no idea where this information comes from that's all extremely specific but no one has been able to say where the hell it comes from at all yeah, the the actor ages usually to me throw that like I don't know it's it is weirdly specific information, um, and of course everyone's saying oh my god it's the Knights of Ren JJ is taking care of business and taking all the thing the loose ends and tying them up and hey that would be welcome I would welcome that I don't know if it's true it could just as easily be um you know another fight between. <laughs> Uh, Kylo and, um, I mean, they wouldn't be Snoke's guards, but, you know, Snoke-esque guards. Or someone could have taken a report about a sh- the shoot for and training for that fight from The Last Jedi and just for mm-hmm. some reason applied it to, I mean, because th- th- they mentioned October. Like, October? Really? How are we able to get information about things being shot in October right now? I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe a uh, suggested title is a uh, Star Wars Episode Nine Snoke story, and the Knights of Ren are there too. <laughs> yeah, we'll get all everything. We're just gonna we're just gonna take an aside right now. We're gonna like let me take you back. We're not gonna, mm-hmm. we're not getting the trilogy. We're just gonna fill in the blanks. Here's everything you guys wanted to know. You know, we know you were real upset with us before. Here it all is. We've got it all spelled out. There is what they said was a plot leak back in May. That I I didn't hear, you didn't hear, none of us heard uh, that Kylo Ren and his knights will be hunting down Force sensitives. Sure, maybe, but also more recently, there is uh, in in terms of the synergy between the, the the poetry and the rhyming of the new Star Wars, there's rumors that there's going to be a hut in this episode because of course there is, and <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the third in in the trilogy, mm-hmm. and of course it's going to be Rada the Hut. Jabba's child. I find that hard to believe just because the Clone Wars movie is the, you know, like not even arguably the worst part of Clone Wars. It just it just is. It's just a bad way to start that out. I don't know how that show ended up being so much better than that movie. But I yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know how much more to say than that. As soon as I saw Rod of the Hut mentioned, I was just like, no, nope. Well, get ready for a whole mess of nonsense Finn and Roe will be traveling to visit Rada, who we've heard it, and I know it says who we've heard. This is just, these are just direct quotes I'm reading, folks. Uh, is actually helping the resistance in their fight against the First Order. Um, the scene Rada shares with Finn and Rose will be very reminiscent of those opening moments in Jedi. <laughs> what? Uh, <clears throat> the. <laughs> I just I I'm not buying any of this. I just you know it comes to the top of my head. Maybe he Rada still remembers the the sweetness that Ahsoka showed him in saving his life in <laughs> the Clone Wars movie, and that's why he's helping the Jedi. But in reality, it's it's just and maybe I'll eat my words, but you know it, it seems low hanging fruit. It's you know we got to copy Jedi because 
you know, Last Jedi was very reminiscent of Empire as Force Awakens was just a, you know, carbon copy or whatever. And so we need a jet, we need a, we need a hut sequence and it needs to be reminiscent of Return of the Jedi because someone at Disney is going, oh, this is working for us really well right now. The fans absolutely love us, you know, <laughs> like throwing back, obviously. So let's just keep doing it. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I just, it. Oh, but that's not all. That's not that's not all by a by a mile. Maz mm-hmm. Kanata has a quote super sail barge. <laughs> it's it's the gorilla walkers <laughs> all over again. <laughs> this giant pirate ship will be very similar to Jabba's Tatooine sail barge, but with giant metallic wings soaring just outside the atmosphere. There, Ray and Maz will be joined by Chewbacca and Lando. Where I I don't know where where are they getting these descriptions from I'm not sure and also they reference allegedly some leaked art of Lando sitting in like a, a command chair in a glass dome, I <laughs> the art is nowhere to be found I haven't seen it Have you seen it Matt I haven't and I'm curious if Lando is wearing the sail barge guard armor because <laughs> why not So all this all this is all suggesting this plot that we've we've actually. A few episodes back, we read what we think is a plot synopsis for an early Colin Trevorrow draft of Episode Nine, which involves um, exploring the First Order and their presence in the Outer Rim. Um, these have a certain sense of there is like Leia's intention and the way that they'll be using Leia's uh, the or the Carrie Fisher footage will be Leia sending people out to 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 get more folks to join the resistance and they'll be looking for sympathizers. They'll be looking for rod of the hut. Um, they'll be, <laughs> they'll be basically getting a, getting a game together. And then also there's the thing we mentioned in prior episodes about um, the galaxy being kind of like weirdly okay with the, what they perceive as benevolence of Kylo Ren's rule with the first order. Like, Hey, you know, he's not that bad. Uh, let's just not piss him off. Okay. And they have to combat that. So they have to find some dirt on the first order which is where the plot threads from that earlier draft of the script if it indeed is real come into play of really getting some hard evidence of the atrocities that they're committing out in the outer rim or the the unknown regions or wherever the hell now that is all the bullshit no more bullshit let's get to the hard facts the cold hard facts are the millennium falcon has been spotted in a forest there are some photos which we'll link to on this episode's page of well, like a prop set of the side panel of the Falcon in in a forest with ferns. It doesn't look like indoor folks, but you know it is a forest. Make it that what you will. Yeah, well, you know it's the third episode of trilogy. Of course, we're going back to the forest. <laughs> but hey, there's there's lots of kinds of forests out there. I'm not going to be judgy about it. Yeah, no, I, I I'm kidding on that one. I actually don't think it's indoor. I if, if anything, if it is anything returning, it might be Takodana. I think uh, you know I I could see JJ going back to that well because I think you know he's probably interested in the worlds that he created for the for episode seven. So it it could be Takodana, or it could be a new planet. Yeah, anything is possible. The far 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 more titillating photos are of Oscar Isaac's John Boyega. Um, Juna Satomo, Suetamo, and uh, the new cast member Naomi Aki. All the, all four of them were seen together in in a shoot, and we have photos. There's horses that are going to have CGI alien heads on them. Um, there's that. There's some kind of hillside. I have no idea where the shots were taken. Do you, Matt? I don't. No. But they're they're the real deal. 
Um, and they do give a sense of, you know, hey, these characters are going to be together. So we're going to see a Finn, Poe, and Chewie adventure with this new character. And Express.co.uk thinks that it's part of the plot line of rebuilding the Resistance. Make of that what you will. Honestly, it's as good a guess as anything. That might be that might be the most sensible thing thus far from the Express stuff. Because quite frankly, if if they really are headed towards perpetual, you know, state of war for the sake of you know Disney's franchise, then it probably makes sense that they would be reestablishing a resistance that can fight back. Yeah, I think that that you know that actually that has. That has believability, and I, I can totally invest my heart into thinking, yeah, a huge component of this film is going to be um, building back what was lost. I don't know how the hell that fits into the final film in a trilogy. I don't know how they're going to pull that off, but, you know, let's find out. <laughs> it might just be Kylo and, and Ray's stories conclude, but the war continues. I, I don't know. It would be interesting to see if, if we can kind of glean where that's going to go as more and more things come out and and seemingly like i feel like we're getting really good juicy photos way earlier than we normally do oh yeah we're still 16 months away from this movie being released and i feel like these are kind of photos that we would see like you know eight or nine months yeah this is totally unusual everybody like i don't know if you if i i should have focused on that a little bit more how weird this is because when they were in Dubrovnik shooting uh, Canto Bite for episode eight, we were seeing those way after the fact, as far as I know. Right. And what we were seeing weren't as good of photos as what we've seen in this leak. Like yeah. these are some nice leak type photos, which, They're you know, has, has started a lot of conspiracy theories that like we're going to be seeing a lot more, quote unquote, leaks uh -huh. in order to kind of hype people back up to avoid another solo situation. And hey, if that is their plan, and if that is how they're doing it, I think that's perfectly reasonable. I would like it much better if they were just candidly, you know, had the directors tweeting their content out the way Ron Howard was sharing so much stuff on Instagram. I thought that was really charming and well done. But sure, oh, yeah. alternately, you could also leak them to Imgur, sure. It's a weird world we live in, folks, and we're here to just present you with the facts and go on some wild flights of fancy about what all of it means. So if you have some thoughts or any special leaks of your own to share, they've got to be at least as credible as what Express are cooking up, then, hey, head to the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group and uh, hang out with us. Also, shoot us a, shoot us a message on Twitter, at LucasFilmPod, and um, we'll see you in two more weeks. May the Force be with you. Always. State of the Empire is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequenceofsound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida at Nerdy Show Studios, home of the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. Discover more at nerdyshow.com. Our theme song, Maximum Rebo, was written and performed by Zantilla. Find more awesome tracks at zantilla.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to our Bothan pals in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group, the Nerdy Show Network Patreon backers, and Darth Vectivus, operations director of an asteroid mining colony who used his business acumen and a dark side reservoir to make some honest credits in the galaxy far, far away, proving that not all Sith are bad. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. 
Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.